What's up, Buggy fans? We are at Hill 4. That's right, it is season four of Shoot the Shit, and we are back with some more of the best stories in the world of Buggy to show you what makes a sport special, which is you, the characters and the teams that build up the wonderful legacy and lore of the sport of Buggy. So go ahead and strap on your safety harnesses, get in, because it's time for some more great Buggy stories here on Shoot the Shit. Hello, everybody. It's another episode of Shoot the Shit. Time really is flying three episodes already down this season. I, I really enjoyed the the trilogy we put together so far. Um, no part due to me. All, all thanks to our guests. I think just a really cool story of seeing the seeds planted by pioneers, how they grew into Apex, as well as kind of this buggy build book, trying to just give back, keep the sport growing uh, today and well into the future. Um, but this week, we go into the past and talk about the team formerly known as Kappa Delta Rho or KDR. I think one thing that's really cool about this episode is we pretty much are able to recap their entire history um, and just hear a lot of interesting stuff about, you know, the team's origins, how the culture ebbed and flowed and grew and what was and was not consistent throughout their history. A lot of fun, exciting stories uh, from the past, a lot of hot takes on the future, the present of Buggy. This is just a really entertaining group of dudes to listen to. It's loud, it's a little bit crass, but of course there is plenty of class. So sit down, get ready to learn the history of KDR. My name is Mike Barrett, aka 40 Dog. I graduated in 2000 and I was KDR chair for 99 and 2000. Hi, I'm Nick Bonadio. I was a four-time pusher for KDR between 2002 and 2005. Uh, I'm Adam McHugh. I was a KDR pusher in my most critically acclaimed role in 2003, uh, chairman in 2005, safety chair in 2006, and head judge in 2007. And, and I'm uh, describing yourself as a pusher is, is such a misnomer. It's a real, uh, yeah. <laughs> Generous. What what team were you pushing for? <laughs> Whoever we were racing against, really. It was, uh, I think it was Pike <laughs> at the time. <laughs> so. Good. And uh, for KDRB. some reason, pump. Good. <laughs> oh, it, it was actually KDRB. Yeah. I pushed Penthes, which is 40 <laughs> built. Sweet. There you go. Uh, you also appear in, I think, like every third episode as that guy who said something about wheels once. Um, <laughs> but cool. Uh, that's for another time. Uh, so, yeah, let, let's talk about KDR a little bit, I guess. Uh, some of the history of getting it off the ground, um, you know, throughout this, I think it may be a theme, just Greek orgs and some of the challenges that kind of, especially since the 20th, 21st century hit, um, they faced. But Let's take it back. Uh, talk a little bit about the start of KDR Buggy. Any kind of info stories you have there? Yeah. So, I mean, I wasn't around for it, obviously, but, you know, we, we came back in 86 and we purchased a buggy from CIA, CIA uh, called Dark Star, or they called it like aluminum spelled backwards or something like that. We took it, we called it Renaissance and we painted it orange because, you know, it's one of our house colors. We like it. Um. And, and we also built a buggy sort of like it, uh, but a trike, and we called it Phoenix. Uh, so we had a good race day for some reason. You know, we got sixth place, really good time. Got like a 217, uh, really strong start. House had a lot of enthusiasm all around it. And uh, so, so they tried, you know, they tried to do one better the next year in 88, and, and they did. They rolled a 216.2, uh, 
Um, but they only got eighth place. So, you know, something, you know, so, something was going on there. They wanted to improve. They wanted to, you know, change the, change the design around a little bit. Um, so they started experimenting with, I think that was around the time they started experimenting with pneumatic tires uh, and all of that. And they built this buggy called Prometheus. It was a really big, heavy, 65-pound monstrosity uh, that ended up winning Design Comp in 1990. Um, and unfortunately, as time went on, the times got slower and slower. And I mean, there were, there were issues with it. And, and the issue started to end up being that you know, they had to paint the buggy orange. They had to call it a name with that started with the letter P. It was, you know, <laughs> they did a lot of body work. And so they ended up with these buggies that were really big and kind of heavy and slow. It was actually the, uh... I mean, that never really changed though. Like, I think we always had a, like, that's a, the, the, I mean, I mean, Q can speak to this better than I can, but like, you know, I think every KDR buggy was known for being too heavy and, and over-engineered. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, weight savings was one of our towering strengths. Um, yeah. Come to think of it. Yeah. The, uh, the cool thing about the KDR, uh, first year, I think is it is to this day, the fastest debut time for any organization in buggy, which is neat. Yeah. I do think one thing that's interesting, and, and maybe this is a thread throughout, um, is the fact that like, I, I think a lot of the teams I talk to, there will almost be over corrections from generation to generation where it was like, it was the heavy buggy. And then the next generation, it was like too light. Cause they just were like, screw the alumni. We're going into this, but I think that's kind of interesting that like there was the consistency, I guess, within buggy build, but I mean, maybe even within the buggy culture in general, that's one thing I'd be interested with and sort of, you know, how that uh, passed down and played out. Yeah. So, I mean, it was pretty strong until about, I think like 93 or 94, uh, they did, they did build a buggy that was a lot lighter uh, called Palooka and it was, you know, standard symmetric trike you know, space frame, space frame design, but it was a lot lighter. I mean, it was like half the weight of like Prometheus. Mm -hmm. um, and we had a good push team behind it and everything looked optimistic for a race day 94. You know, they get out there, get on the start line, three, two, one, ready, set, snap, push bar breaks. And I think there was like video of Nick Lewis, our Hill one pusher at the time, trying to take the push bar and actually like jam it back into the buggy somehow <laughs> to salvage something or other. And it just didn't work. Um, so, I mean, it was kind of a failure of a year and kind of a waste, really, given, given the, you know, the, the skill of the push team, at, you know, that we had, I guess. Um, so I think they, I think the next, the next incoming buggy chair was Steve Malashevsky and he kind of went nuts that summer. Um, he, he built, he built Pumpkin King then, um, but he also did a lot of refinement. He took, um, well, he, he also took the old buggies took a hacksaw to him, chopped him into little bits, dumped him in the dumpster. He kept Prometheus because it had a trophy for design, kept kept Phoenix because it was our, you know, house record buggy, mm -hmm. um, took a lot of others, threw them out. Uh, we had a buggy called Promiscuous that looked like Prometheus, <laughs> but a little bit smaller. He took a chisel to it and took like 25 pounds of Bondo off of it because he knew he had to have like another buggy kind of in the wings if he, you know, just in case, I guess. Um, so he ended up, you know, starting, starting fall 94 with, you know, brand new buggy, you know, a decent buggy that had its, his push, its push bar welded, welded back on. Um, so he just went at it. He had this like huge, like really in-depth testing regime where every, you know, every single chance he got to roll, he rolled and he figured out, you know, figured out the steering, figured out the wheels, got everything optimized. And I guess in, for 95, he ended up rolling pumpkin King like 95 times or something like that. Oof. 
Like he, oh, like he, that, so and... many, there's so many quarter turns. That buggy yeah. takes like 12 quarter turns all around for the shell. <laughs> it's... Well, he didn't have to use all of them. Cause I guess like one of those spring break days when they just like had like three orgs rolling, that just went over and over and over again and got like, you know, probably most of the rolls then. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was, it was really well sorted out, you know, race day 95 gets out there, rolls like a 219. So it's, you know, it's like all that work and you get kind of, eh, kind of mediocre time. So. Yeah. The the push bar snapping off, I think, is uh, is a really good example of something terrible happening that lives in the, in the organizational memory for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Like, I think from from then on, uh, KDR had sort of like triple push bars, or prior to that had like triple push bars. Yeah. And and this was like a weird. And I I think even uh, Pumpkin King had like a wire from the top of the push bar to the back of the buggy that uh, to prevent it from snapping off. Like that was a thing that happened all the time and was something to watch out for you know like every other team seemed to have mastered it and we were like nope push bar snapping that's like we're gonna make that mistake once and then yeah i don't know if we ever had a um like a push bar violation on hill five but you know it it was always sort of taught to me that if you're on hill five which i was like you should just run with it like don't even worry about pushing it just run with it and you know i would have like other people that you know like a lot of the Hill Fives from other orgs were also on the track team with me. And they would ask, like, well, why does KDR run Hill Five the way we do? And I was like, well, I, I don't know. Like, like, that's just the way we were taught. And so, like, I don't know if there's, there was a push bar violation in our history, but that was just, I guess, something unique about the way we did it. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think we've ever missed a bar. But, yeah, yeah, we had one snap off. And I think starting with Prometheus, that's when they started the, the, the tripod push bar tradition. So we didn't have one. We had three. It was, you know, mounted in like, you know, a tubular push bar mounted in oh. three different locations to, you know, for extra weight and aerodynamics, I guess. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> you, really want to ma- you really want to maximize the turbulent flow in the, uh, in the, <laughs> on the vehicle. That's something they teach you in buggy school. Exactly. <laughs> More resistance. That's what yeah. we want. That's right, man. <laughs> yeah. So, so after that, um, you know, Steve, Steve was graduating or something or other and, uh, so, so the incoming chair, Jamie Tyler, he was really, I mean, he was really into like how buggies handle. He was, he was a, he's a BMW fanatic. He loves, you know, cars and driving mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So he, he makes his buggy, um, with this like suspension. Um, he makes it symmetric, kind of like Palooka, but he has this like crazy, like compound, almost frog like looking thing that's attached to it. And it weighs like five pounds, uh, which was a shame because, his design was, was like shrink wrap to the driver. I mean, it was way smaller. I mean, without, without that suspension, the buggy weighed like 20 pounds, mm-hmm. um, which is really good for a space frame design. Uh, it was, it was the counter example to KDR not having good, good weight control. Uh, this one certainly did, but I mean, it shell fit bad. It had this horrible suspension on it. Um, and he also, he called it Nazgul, which, you know, violating the, the P named, uh, tradition that we also have. So, that was uh, in 96, and he ended up rolling that like a 224. We got like 16th place. Mm-hmm. And he didn't, re- unfortunately, he didn't really have the foresight to realize that, you know, is this like really overcomplicated, over-engineered, like really, and, and really like a kind of squashy kind of feel to it. Uh, he blamed it on the tires. Um, so when I, so when I came in, he had f- just freshly put in, taken the tires off, held them against the wall, took a single, single screw, just drove them right into the wall and spray painted underneath, underneath them. I equal four seconds. And that was his explanation for wh- why we rolled a 224 that year, which was like, not really the right one. So were those, <laughs> were those pan erasers like the same yeah. wheels that, that PK used? Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He used them once, drilled them to the wall. So, um, 
I don't know, kind of a low point in my in my view, but that's that's kind of where I showed up on campus. Back then, we were kind of kind of a small house. I mean, there was only like twenty like twenty members in the mm-hmm. entire house. So I mean, we were you know pretty small, but I mean, we you know it was, it was a great group of guys. We just kind of saw ourselves as being you know not too serious about anything, pretty chill. But you know, yeah, I mean, we were also I mean, we were pretty low key, um, just kind of having fun with it, and that's kind of how we approached it. Uh, at the time I was on the cross country team. So they had a mm-hmm. lot of optimism for me as a pusher. Um, so my freshman year, like, you know, we, we worked a lot that way, uh, getting me on Hill five, Hill four, all, you know, all the good. And like, if it was only a 20 person house, was it pretty much all hands on deck for buggy at that point? It seemed that way. Yeah. Cause I mean, we had a B team, so I mean, half the house was pushing. Yeah, like one of the things I think that like, you know, KDR as an organization can really hang our hat on is that, you know, as as Forty said, you know, we got down to some pretty low numbers, but we did booth buggy Greek sing every single year. Wow. And I think like, you know, certainly in the context of what the campus is currently, like you don't really see a lot of that, um, you know, that participation. And, you know, that's something that, you know, like, you know, maybe, you know, Hugh can speak to this, maybe Ford can say this, but like during like the rush process, when we rushed KDR and we were kind of finding out like, well, like what are some things that KDR as organization stood for? It was about participation. It was about getting out there. And like, even though we had, you know, like 20, 30 people, it, um, it was larger in, in like my day and McHugh's day, but like, it was definitely a part of the culture that like you were going to compete. You were going to be Greek sing and booth, you know, and I am, you know, and buggy and, and, and everything. That's what being in KDR meant. Yeah. And I think we kind of made the most of it. Like we didn't have a whole lot of, you know, as a result of not having many members, we didn't have a whole lot of money either. And I think like, you know, just as an aside, I think our, our booth budget that spring of 97 was like $300 or something like that. (laughs) You don't want to know what it was in 2005. (laughs) Yeah. I know, man. I know he came around, the booth chair came around with a hat and was like, you know, can everyone put in like 10 or $20, please? We got to like get some paint to finish this thing. It's like, oh God, you know? So, I mean, we did that. And, and I think that year, like the buggy, the buggy program, the budget for that was like, was like entry fees and tires and bearings. And that was it. Like no, no frills. If you wanted a shirt, you had to pay, you know, you had to pay up for it, that sort of thing. So, but we managed to get 10th place somehow, which was, which was really cool. I mean, I felt like we kind of like squeezed every little bit we could out of everything that we had. Which year was that? That was the, that was the year after? Was it 97? 97. I mean, it was, it, it was fun, you know? I mean, it was, um, I mean, it was really, it, that year was like really wet and it was cold. It really sucked being out there. Um, but I mean, it was, it was fun. Uh, and it was, I don't know, I mean, you know, just long lasting memories of like your first carnival and the alums coming back and everything like that was, was just really cool. And, you know, we're geared up, you know, next year, 98, uh, I happen to be pushed, you know, uh, push team captain for whatever that was worth. Um, I, I ended up getting mono that year, which was really cool. I mean, that, that just kind of like <laughs> summarized, summarized that how, how good our push team was that year was like push, push team captain gets mono. Um, but like a couple big things happened, happened that year. Um, one wheelchair, the wheelchair racing organization or whatever sanctioning body banned the, the panda racers. So, you know, was, at that point it was kind of like they had a, like a limited shelf life. Like you didn't know if you're going to be able to get them or not, um, which was kind of interesting. Um, it's kind of a, it's kind of a crazy example of like something that in buggy, like has nothing to do with buggy, but drastically affects the, like the, the climate of the sport, like a wheelchair racing league in, you know, somewhere else like banned the use of like extremely efficient tires, uh, 
not to, <laughs> not to jump ahead, but I think the there was one year around 2006, maybe, where like Boeing bought all, all the carbon fiber in the world. Like they were making like all their, like a brand new set of planes and you just couldn't get carbon fiber for a year. Um, and that sort of changed a whole bunch of things. They changed, yeah, they changed the rules at some point. Like, like, and I remember emailing them being like, this is different urethane than I'm used to. And they're like, what the? Well, I think you told me this. Like, didn't like, like the Zooters change their wheels or something like that? And like, that, like how yeah. many wheels are you buying? I'm like, lots, hundreds, you know, tons of wheels. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. It's come up on a couple different other episodes too, where it's just like, you guys are such small scale buyers. You can't really dictate the market in any way, shape or form. Um, but yet, yeah, it's like these super niche things are so crucial to like the culture and the success of the sport. And uh, when they're gone, they're gone. So, so it was the wheels you were using from wheelchair racing that got banned in the wheelchair racing league. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. And the next time we order them, I think I ordered them. And um, I mean, this was, you know, 90, you know, 1998 or so. So you didn't just, you know, make a credit card purchase online. I like call the guy and he's like, he's like, are you up in Pittsburgh? I'm like, yeah, how'd you know? He's like, half our, half our annual stock goes there. I'm like, Oh, give me 35 tires. Like, yeah. So pretty good times. So, um, yeah, the other big thing that happened that year was, uh, was they used to have this rule that like fraternities, if you wanted to participate in like Greek sing booth or, or buggy, you had to do like all three. And they got rid of that rule that year. So we didn't have to see like DU's horrible half ass buggy anymore. We didn't have to see Pika out there, you know, trying to do yeah. truth or whatever. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we didn't really think. The Signu fishbowl. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, Signu is cool, right? Because they made their buggy, they made their booth once and they bring it out like every year. They get like five brothers, <laughs> and, like carry it over. And it's it's just that small, which is which is cool. Um but yeah, I mean, some of the other orgs, you know, we didn't, we didn't need to, you know, we didn't really think about like the ramifications of, of what that would mean, I think. But I mean, it kind of like took, took everything and, and kind of made it so that, you know, you see more and more specialization within that, within the houses, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, you know, you see like a Greek sing house, whereas, you know, before AE Pi would come out with like, you know, camo or whatever. And then that just kind of went away for a while, I think. So. Right. I did that's crazy. I never realized that was a requirement. That's a lot to ask someone to do any of it, especially <laughs> buggy though. If you're not in it, spring semester is brutal. Like if yeah. you're Greek, yeah. like it's like, like, like for me, it was doubly bad. Cause I'm also on the track team. So like, not only am I going away to meets on the weekend, but there's booth buggy and Greek saying all kind of happening concurrently. So what you end up doing is like, you end up front loading your academic schedule to fall where you have oh, like 60, is- 60 units in the fall. And like, like 36 in the spring, like whatever the minimum is just to maintain your full-time student status, because. Is that what you're supposed to do? Cause I, I don't think I ever really mastered the, the distribution of academics. Well, you didn't do it cause you were in school for like nine years, but yeah, like you, yeah, you spring was always brutal if you had to do all those things for sure. Yeah, you got it. But so you're saying that was like 99 uh,98. Uh, that was like 98. That was like, okay. for, yeah, that, that year. Um, yeah, that year, um, Let's see, uh, for, for race day, for our A-team heat, uh, we got paired up with Beta A, and I thought this was going to be, like, this is going to be awesome, right? Because, uh, like, they're just going to beat us off the line. We're going to be able to run our own race and see from the follow truck kind of what all was happening. And uh, so so our chairman, uh, Ziggy, was a senior. You know, he was done. Like, he had his job offer, all that good stuff in hand. Um, 
he's like he's like ready to just chill for carnival so he hands me the screwdriver and he goes look i know you're going to be chair next year take this go in the follow truck your chair as of right now and i'm like oh cool <laughs> so wow hop in the truck you know it's you know me the beta guy sweepstakes we go we go off and it goes kind of like kind of like what i'm thinking right um beta was second the year before in 97 in 97 so i mean i'm thinking you know these are like monstrously hoss football players they're gonna like you know, just destroy us. And they pretty much did, right? They're like four or five seconds ahead of us at the top of Hill, Hill 1, right? Then all of a sudden, Pumpkin King starts like, starts narrowing the gap. And I'm like, I'm like, this is cool. This is interesting. Like, what's going on here? And I'm looking at, it, I'm like tracking. I'm thinking like, wait a second, we're going to pass these guys in just a second here. We're going to pass the team that was second place last year. I'm not really expecting anything to happen, right? But we make this pass right before the shoot. And all of a sudden, like through the shoot, we're like, we're like gaining distance on them. We get around the scafe driveway, get to Hill 3, and then all of a sudden we just get blown away, right? So I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. They were second place last year. Everything's cool. That's fine. Get up to the top of Hill 5. They beat us by like three seconds. I think, hey, losing to last place, you know, last year's second place team by three seconds. We did all right, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm pretty happy about it. I, you know, I tell Ziggy, I'm like, okay, you know, they beat us by three seconds. It wasn't, it wasn't too bad. Then we stand there for a few minutes. And they, uh, like the next heat, they like, after the next heat, they like put the times up. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we see them like shifting the boards down a little bit and they didn't really shift them all that much. And they put up beta a, and they put up like two twenty one. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> like we got, a, we got a two twenty four. and we ended up in like 16th place again. It's like, Oh geez, man. Like, like some, like something's got to give, you know? So it was, it was a little disappointing, but I don't think we were really like too discouraged by it. I just kind of, I feel like, you know, we kind of felt like we knew what we had to do and a lot of it had to do with recruitment. And I, and I think we got it right. Like that next semester, fall 98, um, we had like 12 guys pledge the house and it totally changes the character of the house when something like that happens. You know, when you start out with like just over 20, 20 members in the brotherhood and you get this, you know, like, you know, it's like almost 50, it's like 50% more. Right. Right. Um, I think that that was the point in my mind that just like totally changed the character of the house. And suddenly we, we became like, um, I mean, we had the ability to actually like do things, which was, which was really cool. And the caliber of the guys are really good too. Cause you, I mean, like I said, you're talking about like Greg Lee and Sully and, you know, Tommy Brugan, yeah. like, you know, like it, Forty can speak to this better than I can, but like, I certainly think like right around like 2000, 2001, like you started seeing, like a, a much more athletic um, brother coming into KDR, like coming from the lacrosse team, coming from the soccer team, coming from this or that. Um, and I think like, obviously that has a huge impact. Um, I mean, everyone knows Greeks are at a disadvantage relative to buggy because of the roster rules, but right. you know, so like when you can get brothers in that have that athletic background, like it actually is super, super valuable. Yeah, definitely. I think that's an interesting thing where, Right, where where you're SDC, you're just recruiting, you know, big beefy men and women or whatever. Um, whereas, right, when you're a fraternity, these are people you're going to spend a lot of time with. So, like, what are those conversations like in terms of like, oh, this guy's a hoss, but like he sucks. Should we get him just for buggy or like, you know, how kind of does that play in and kind of weigh within recruitment and like, how much are you putting forward to the recruits? Like, Hey, we really want to be big shit and buggy or whatever. Uh, Nick was, Nick was rush chair. So he can probably speak to this a lot better than I can, but I don't think we ever 
recruited somebody specifically for buggy or specifically for booth. We just recruited like the best <laughs> people that we knew. Um, and it turns out that the best people we knew are good at things. Yeah. So I think like, like what we did lean into is like, it, it sounds cheesy in retrospect. Like I think we did try to communicate to anyone who was like rushing our house that like, look like the, the kind of brother that, that we're looking for is a brother that like wants to go do things and wants to be involved in things and wants to like, and so, you know, the, mm -hmm. the archetype of someone who wants to go push buggy and someone who wants to, you know, like build a booth, that's probably the archetype of someone who played high school soccer or did things in high school too. So we ended up sort of getting that, that, that archetype of, of brother just, just naturally. But yeah, like we never like specifically chose someone because like, wow, this guy's an asshole, but like he's fast. So we'll take him. Like, sure. That was definitely okay. part of the conversation. Um, what we did do, and like, this wasn't intentional by any means, but like, I think, you know, like we realized that at, at one point, how valuable it is to have like a brother that's on the soccer team or a brother that's on the swim team or a brother that's on the track team and just kind of recruiting from inside like that. Because if you get, you know, like a handful of people from the swim team, like we had in later years, like, like the 2007, 2008, with like Brad Henderson and John Johnson and those guys. And then, you know, my years, McHugh years, like, you know, I think four fifths of our school record or um, our house record time, like four fifths of those guys were the track team. Like the entire CMU four by four relay was, was running for KDR. And, you know, like, it's, it's not a surprise that like that team was probably the fastest push team on, on race day. Like when you have that, what that kind saying? of internal, you know, recruitment, it, it helps out quite a bit. Oh yeah. Uh, like in 05 between me, Caffrey and. I remember that and, year. I, I was, I was chairman that year. I don't think, I don't think I ever knew that fact. Although I did, I did, I do remember uh, emailing, yeah. uh, who is it? Dario, like the, the track coach. <laughs> I like at, at various points in my buggy career, I would, I would email uh, like oh the track God. coach and be like, uh, there's a scheduling conflict coming up in, in April. And he's like, I do not care about you or anything that you are doing. <laughs> 2005 was, was such an interesting year because like that was one year where not only was UAA not concurrent with, with Carnival, but there was no meet at all. And so like, mm you know, the entire track team was, was, was pushing for someone like, you know, like obviously the KDR said what we had, but like Russell Verbovsky was pushing for Kappa, I think was the team at that time. Like Matt Dalka was pushing for beta and like fringe had four or five guys. And so literally like if I'm Dario, if I'm the track coach, like I got to just pray like 75% of my team is pushing buggy. Like I got to pray that like no one turns an ankle or no one like pulls a hamstring because like, you know, UAAs are next week and, 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 and all my team is running. Yeah. Obviously it would assume no one ever would just recruit just for buggy, but it, it is interesting to me just like how you balance those different kind of requirements with the social and kind of like aspiration. Cause it is like you say, such an interesting, I don't know if disadvantage is quite the right word, but right. It's, you got to I mean, look for is. the whole package. I mean, I think it's a pretty clear disadvantage. Like, yeah. Like, and look, like, you know, we could go in all day about how it's a disadvantage from a budgetary perspective, it's a disadvantage from a roster perspective. Um, yeah, like, I think, like, but it's, it's certainly something that, yeah, like, it's, it's just, it's just apples to oranges so far as the roster rolls. I think for a long time, it wasn't, it wasn't ever really um, considered that big of a disadvantage because the first place winner was always a Greek org. So they were like, you know, why don't you just get good, uh, which is usually usually the answer to everything uh in buggy 
<laughs> no, I, I don't think I don't think he was actually like the protagonist of this. I, I was in a meeting where they they took it to a vote, and, and I think Tom Fister uh, was the one who was like, "Well, you know, Greeks win every year, so like, do we really need to recruit from everywhere?" And people were like, "Oh yeah, I forgot about that." But now for like over a over a decade, uh, you know, a bunch of GDIs have been winning. Um, <laughs> right. But yeah. but even then, I guess like Beta was close, but it was kind of just Pike. Wasn't it like in the, uh, yeah. 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 Like back then, I mean, yeah, it was Pika. Um, yeah. Beta beat Pike in 97. I mean, Phi Cap had some really good years, you know, 96, 97, 98. Signu. Yeah. Signu was definitely there, but I don't know. They, it, you know, they, they seem like they were kind of in secular decline slow, very slowly. But. They were always, I always kind of saw Signu as like a foil to, to KDR for a while, um, for at least a couple years, like my formative buggy years, because they really had like the technology dialed in. Couldn't, couldn't really muster up a push team, uh, like we could for a long time. And I think we were, the, we were the, uh, we were the opposite, like for at least my freshman and sophomore year. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like, I feel like during my time, Signu was kind of like, kind of like what we wanted to be in terms of just just refinement but they were similar to us in the fact that they couldn't feel they couldn't feel the push team for anything man but but their buggy sure were fast um and beautifully made as, as well so i mean you know we you know we looked at them a lot and kind of looked at that and just thought you know that, that was kind of like something to aspire to you know makes sense yeah i mean it, it is interesting like you do have these teams with kind of one focus or another but but you're saying mike it was a little more tech focus in your time or was it kind of just everybody doing whatever because it was small i think it was i think it was more like you know just trying to just trying to get the team out there and just get the roles in and just and just come to race day reasonably prepared i mean because we weren't building for a number of those years our recruitment really wasn't all that good for you know for the longest time um you know but we felt like you know pumpkin king and palooka were pretty dialed in they were they were good for what they were um, so we just kind of looked at it as like, you know, give it our best shot with what we had and, and take kind of the long view as, you know, eventually we're going to be able to start building. Uh, eventually we're going to get, you know, we're going to be able to rush a whole bunch of guys. Uh, lucky for us. I mean, that kind of, that kind of all happened at the same time in the sense that, yeah, we got this pledge class in and we also started to build at the same time. So this was, this was for, um, for race day 99. Um, you know, we had this going on, you know, revitalized membership. Uh, build program was starting up again and all that. So um, this is when I, when I started to be chair and um, you know, I mean, we, we decided to just try all kinds of different things. Um, My biggest thing was, you know, to really update the design of the buggy um, and kind of push like, push like the, just the value of, of, you know, what can you build given your budget, um, but also make it, you know, a monocoque design um, make it a lot more modern than what we had. So, um, came up with, uh, with a really trippy looking buggy called Palanquin. Uh, that was just kind of a, kind of a mess. Uh, we rolled it like one day, got like five rolls in, um, didn't do too bad, but you know, ergonomically it just wasn't there. Uh, it wasn't there for a number of reasons. Just, it was really hard to service. So mm-hmm. we tossed it and just used pumpkin King and Palooka, uh, for race day, uh, that year. So, I mean, it was all good. It was, it was, I mean, it was, it was a definitely a learning experience. So, uh, but that race day was, uh, was pretty interesting, uh, 99. Um, 
you know, from the standpoint of just the weather was just, was just God awful that year. Mm-hmm. And it really showed like how you really have to be consistent and dedicated in order to, in order to be successful with the sport. Um, the time that we got, I mean, we were really, we were, we were geared up to get like 10th place. Seemed pretty, seemed pretty straightforward. Uh, but then Phi cap a spins fringe fringe a spins. And then we, and then we're in a heat with, uh, with Pika C and Signu A. And we're thinking, okay, I'm thinking, okay, Signu A is just going to go out. They're going to, you know, they're going to beat, it's their A team. So they're going to basically win the heat. No problem. Right. And looking at the previous year's times, I thought, okay, fine. Pika C is going to be a little bit behind us. We're going to be kind of, kind of in the middle, but it's all going to kind of work out. Uh, so the heat starts, get up and over hill one, everything's cool. We're going down in this like beautiful echelon formation. And, and then somehow uh, Pika like kind of passes Signu and gets and gets caught for this like gets into this like weird interference thing where suddenly they're DQ'd uh, for whatever reason. I didn't really see it, but uh, they're DQ'd. And then we go around, you know, go through the shoot, go uphill four. We're right behind Signu, and they're pushing hill four. They transition to hill five. Their hill four, their hill four pusher kind of runs off and accidentally like trips over Pumpkin King or like steps on its nose and like trips our pusher at the same time. And we're just like, what the heck's going on, man? Um, you know, Tommy Braun, he's, he's down on the ground. He has to get up, uh, runs beyond pumpkin King, grabs it at the end. And, you know, um, every, everyone's just kind of like kind of flustered, kind of frustrated. Uh, but we end up getting a reroll. So I think our, I think our time probably would have gotten us, you know, a 10th place, but given that the other two entries in our, in our heat DQ'd, we ended up with sixth place. So it was like the first trophy we'd gotten in like a dozen years, which was like amazing. Um, and then at that point, you know, everyone starts kind of coming out of the woodwork and is like, and is like really into buggy, like, Hey, we can actually get a trophy now. Like, or we actually have a trophy, you know, that, you know, since 87, uh, which was, which was really cool. Um, I don't know. It kind of felt like, you know, we, we'd really been, uh, kind of running uphill or, you know, having a lot of headwinds prior to that point. But, you know, it's like all of a sudden, you know, everything starts working out, I guess. So that was, that was really cool. It was 99. No, no, that was ninety nine. This this begins my my favorite yep. saga in in KDR buggy, by mm-hmm. the way, which was the the reign of Forty Dog, and why I was so excited to have Forty Dog on here because the the time period from when Forty became chair through uh, Penthes's oh, lifespan is like extremely rapid iteration, extremely rapid prototyping, and like a like a true success story from from like experimentation. Uh, I think one of the cooler ones in buggy, actually. Oh, thanks, man. Jeez. Where's Forty Dog from? If- Oh man. So it was like, um, it's like freshman year, you know, I pledge, I'm like fresh out of school. Right. And, and like every good KDR of that era, I'm just like some introverted, awkward kid who just shows up and just kind of stands there. Right. Just like the entire house. I mean, the whole house was, the whole house was like that. Um, which was, which was great, which, you know, I don't know, but we managed to throw really good parties for, for whatever reason, like someone would know someone just bring over a whole bunch of different people and we would have a great time. Um, I don't know. 40 dog just kind of came out of, out of like, just like, I don't know. You got to go to the liquor store. It's very roundabout way to say you like 40s. And, and you just have to go in. Mike. Um, yeah. yeah, basically. I mean, look, I mean, we've all been at the O at 3 a.m. on a Sunday morning because you're out of beer and that's the only place you can get beer. You have to get the, the 40s. Like we've all been there. We've all been there. We we all we all know that the O had a four forty 
you know, maximum right. purchase. So we would all bring our 10 closest friends and line up outside and just go in round robin and hand the money and buy four okay, parties. Okay, cool. Everybody, everybody knows yeah. that. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, sorry. So we can get back into yeah. buggy related topics, but yeah, the, the, the 2000s and, and kind of what happens there. Sure. Yeah. Like that Sunday evening, I, you know, I wake up at like 5 PM and it's like a whole, I mean, it's like a whole new day, right? I just, we just come back and we went back out to, um, to CFA and like, and like, I wasn't sure really what to expect. Like I, I didn't really know like the actual finishing order and, and some pikes were like talking about like, like who got sixth place. And, you know, they kind of look like, kind of look, I hear like some like murmuring behind me and like, sure enough, like we got sixth place and it was like, holy crap. Um, so all of a sudden we had this like cool momentum uh, and the house was really interested in, you know, being a part of it and helping out. Um, we had more budget. Uh, so we come back, you know, come back from the summer and we start, you know, just experimenting with like molds, different monocoque processes, things like that. Um, so we, so we created this mold, took a, took a long time, took most of the semester uh, that year, fall 99. And we kind of, we pulled something off of it. Um, unfortunately that something didn't quite have enough resin tied to it. Uh, so as soon as we, as soon as we tested it, it really seemed like it wasn't going to work out. So, uh, that was Priapus and it, it ended up in the dumpster. <laughs> this is also, this is, this, this series of buggies has like the best like line of, you had to like come up with a name every other week and it was, <laughs> it's just a, a, a rich menagerie of, yeah. of buggy names. Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, it was fun. Uh, yeah. It ended up being the, uh, well, I mean, it was hard, right? Cause, cause I was trying to think of like, okay, what, what could we call the ultimate KDR buggy? Right. Um, and like one of our symbols at, at the national level is the Peregrine Falcon. And I thought in my mind, Oh, this would be, this would be really cool. Um, and, and everyone kind of put their own two cents in, uh, this one guy wanted to call the buggy, like, like, um, wanted That's to call awesome. it Palpatine, uh, this other, mm. this other brother, um, thought it'd be really cool to call the buggy party. Cause then you could have a shirt that says KDR and then little letters buggy and then party because you weren't, you weren't allowed to advertise for parties. Right. But if you <laughs> right. had it on a shirt because it was the name of your buggy, loophole. Um, that, oh. all kinds, all kinds of different things like that. I mean, just, just crazy names. I, I mean, think in I addition as a letter like p is pretty good like i think like we've always like you know like probation and probable cause and you know just like, like all the all the hallmarks of right the the graveyard of names <laughs> yeah. not quite i mean yeah. it is even funny just to look on um on, on the cmubuggy.org website they have just a list of all the org buggies and to see there's like seven or whatever within like 99 and 2001 I, and i haven't i haven't seen pictures of like any, like this is why it's so <laughs> fascinating to me because uh, i mean 40 the, the the way this was handed down to me and and you can finally set the record straight is that there was this this parade of buggies that you know came out like every every two weeks or month or like or like week and they had like one thing different just enough to make it like a different buggy right to break the ship of theseus thing and so it was like oh here's like palanquin oh here's priapus oh here's procrustes uh and then the one the one that ended up being the greatest kdr buggy up you know to date when it came out was Penthus, which was not only my favorite single word name of any buggy ever but uh and the one that i pushed yeah. but set a house record i, I don't know I, I wasn't really going for that at first but really after the priapus build sort of failed kind of right at the very end, um, you know, we, we, we kind of, 
I mean, we kind of took stock of what we had and kind of realized, well, if we're going to, if we're going to put something out there for race day 2000, we really have to have to buckle down. So we, mm-hmm. so we real quick, you know, built a new, built a new, um, you know, phone plug. Um, and we first, first we thought, okay, we could just pull like, you know, like a, like just a Nomex honeycomb shell off of it. So we tried that. Uh, we still had issues with that. Uh, so then we tried, okay, what if we, what if we do this other technique where we, where we pull uh, like an outer layer off of it and then try to bond in structural elements onto the inside. So we tried that. It didn't really work out. Uh, I think that was Procrastes, um, the God of Thieves. And I think we called it that because we stole some foam from the Purnell Center that went into making some of the foam that was needed for so then we try and like take another skin that we pull off this plug, right? And this is getting this is getting toward the end. And I'm realizing, wait a second, what if we just what if we took this skin, took this frame that we had from Nazgul that we had like chopped apart, then we like put it back together somehow, and like skin it with that? Uh, we made so so we basically rebuilt Nazgul with this whole new whole new skin. Um, and it was it was again it was really tiny because the space frame was I mean it was really shrink wrapped to the driver. Uh, so we shoved the driver in her in there. She's all uncomfortable. She can't. She can't be in there for more than like ten minutes. Uh, we called it Poena, which is the goddess of punishment, because uh, <laughs> if you you know, you know, to be in there basically. Um, so we rolled that for a weekend. I mean, it did okay, but again, you know, ergonomics, servicing, that kind of thing, just just wasn't in our favor. So we so we chucked that. Um, then finally, like we finally got around to finishing, you know, the one we wanted, uh, which was Penthes, uh, the god of grief. Um, I think that's doing it. Dis- I think I think we need to expand a little bit on on the name Penthes because I think that it it like the history of it is a little bit of of one of my favorite parts about my fraternity. Uh, my understanding is that the legend of Penthes is that one day, like at the dawn of the universe, they were giving out spheres of influence to all the gods, and Penthes overslept and was late. And so when he goes and gets uh, his sphere of influence, it's it's grief. Uh, which nobody wanted was like the last choice and to do his best he like just sent as much grief as possible to anybody grieving so the best way to avoid Penthes's favor is to grieve quickly and quietly and get it over with I think that's like a very a very like interesting fun metaphor first of all because it involves like gods oversleeping and like you know it's 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 a nice it's a nice thing it's a nice thing for this to be like the it's such like a CMU thing, like the amount of like academia that's tied into it. I feel like if Buggy was at like Penn State, like, you know, they're like, like, oh, here's our Buggy pussy. Like, here's our Buggy, like, you know, like, <laughs> right. Like something like incredibly stupid, but like, but you know, like at, at CMU, like, oh, like, oh yeah, it's the yeah, goddess that. That of, of yeah. <laughs> punishment or the god of grief. Apex was going through all their discarded names and like none of them was normal. You know what I mean? Like, the, like you said, there's never something that's just like. I'm I'm sure that like sixty percent of the discarded names are ones that I throw. I I will submit between five and ten apex names every year, and they're like, who the fuck is trying to name our buggy Jokel Hops? Like, I'm like, oh, you know, it's it's a it's a you know it's a volcano uh, exploding underneath a glacier. Like, yeah, that <laughs> get out of here, like boomer. I'm like, all right, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't even go here. <laughs> You don't even go here. Um, <laughs> but I mean, and I guess just a brief observation before we hop back in, I think it's a cool testament to how well that recruiting went where, right. Like two years earlier, kind of the intention was just get out there and roll. And then right. The span of a couple years, 
you're building and discarding like seven separate buggies and sure it's somewhat cannibalizing but it's still that's a lot of work and manpower to be able to do that and keep the whole ship afloat simultaneously pretty much pretty much um i mean plus it was i mean it was me and and ludog my little who was the assistant chair at the time i mean it was just us just going nuts i mean like we would i mean we had this thing where you know after you know after the we you know after we watched the simpsons every evening with the house uh, we would just like look at each other, like in the eyes and just glare at each other. And we knew, okay, we're going to do this for like the next 17 hours. Like, let's do it. We're going. And we would do that. We would go into the garage, you know, just, we would just, I mean, we would just work. I mean, whether it was cleaning stuff, I mean, every time we prepped either pumpkin King or Palooka, we tore the whole thing down. And the, I mean, those buggies had tons of parts, but you could do the white glove test on those. Cause they were just, I mean, they were so absolutely clean on the inside afterward. Um, I mean, we would build, we would just be like shaping foam for like hours and hours and hours on end, just, you know, just doing that kind of thing. Um, but I mean, it would, I mean, it was, I mean, it was what you did. I mean, we just practiced it without, without really even thinking about it, you know, and, and if the sun came up, then, you know, so be it, you know, hopefully you can go to class the next day. Um, it's a, it's a common so, experience, I think in KDR buggy where it's like, oh my God, like, is it, is it morning? That sucks. Right. So you, you go through all this iteration and you end up coming out with Pemphis. Um, and, and that ended up being something good, right? Like what clicked on that one and really worked for you? I know you're talking about kind of using some of these different elements, but but what was it that really made Pemphis as, as good as it was? I think the initial feedback that we got from our drivers was really encouraging. So, you know, early on, um, like when I was a freshman, our, our buggy driver was Carrie McIntyre and I mean, she was a great driver in the sense that she drove a lot of discipline and like there weren't a whole whole lot of people there, but the people who were there, you know, got their stuff done properly and observed safety and all that. Cause she gave, she gave that sort of feedback where she just, you know, she would tell you if any little thing was wrong, she would tell you, you know, she would scream at you if, if she didn't have a pair of feet with a flashlight on those feet when she was going out to do drop testing before rolls, that kind of thing. Um, we had uh, Niru, uh, who was who was our 18 driver, um, my sophomore and junior years. Um, I mean, she was a great driver just because of her enthusiasm. Um, I mean, just because how consistent she was. And again, she also, you know, she also worked with us to kind of, you know, kind of say, hey, you might want to think about tweaking this or, you, you know, hey, did you notice what Fringe is doing? She was also a member of Fringe. So, um, you know, we also kind of had a fire lit under us because we didn't know if she, you know, if she would jump ship at any given time. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so that was pretty interesting. Um, my senior year, um, our head driver was Cheryl, who it was great because um, she had all kinds of enthusiasm. I mean, she was just like this bright spot uh, in this otherwise like dismal, just like really cold, miserable, damp, you know, weather type thing. Um, but every time she was there, I mean, she was just like really positive and uh, really kept us going. But her feedback was basically like, it's really smooth. It feels really fast. It feels really comfortable. And that's kind of what we, that's kind of what we built Penthus as. Um, in reality, I kind of feel like, you know, as our first successful monocoque buggy, I really want to build like, you know, I know I can build something that can get a house record, but what I really want to build is a B team buggy because I think next year we can do even better. And I want to keep some like, whether it's keeping powder dry or no, no pun intended, uh, or making it so, Hey, you know, a larger driver comes along, she can still fit into this thing. Um, that's actually kind of what I was going for a little bit, or I, I feel, I feel like ergonomics kind of took a, 
took a front seat when I was designing Pempis. Um, I mean, everything from like giving an inch basically in all dimensions for the driver to, to fit into, um, to the shape of the push handle, uh, which was like a thing in and of itself. Like if you, like, if you did a bump and run, your, your hand wanted to go right in the middle, like where it was meant to go. Um, you know, we took a look at how the pushers actually push in their actual, you know, the actual shape of their hands when they go through that motion and made the outside parts of the handle that, that, uh, that as well. I think there was someone, I want to say someone out there currently has a buggy that's sort of like that. Uh, Roadrunner, I think for CIA has a little like gullwing push bar. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think, I think that, yeah, I saw a picture of that. I thought that was really cool to, that someone, that someone else actually has that idea. So, um, but yeah, and it, yeah, and a long, a long, long story short, I mean, that's, that's when I thought we were going to have a lot of success was when, you know, Cheryl got out of the buggy and was like, that's, that's smooth. That's like butter. Mm. Um, you know, we, we, I think we really had something going at that point. One kind of interesting thing that we might want to expand on later is, um, sorry, in, in the middle there, you had mentioned that one of the drivers was a member, member of fringe. And I think, uh, the dialect, uh, the dialogue between KDR and Fringe was like an interesting, interesting relationship for for a couple of years there. There's a lot of blurred lines in there for sure. It's, oh man, yeah. So when I was a freshman, you know, I come into Mudge House. Mudge lived on Mudge B3. You know, we we really gelled at this as this like floor. Um, but we had Chris Munzer, we had Scott Zolko, we had Tommy Keller was in A Tower, but he was Mudge Mudge third floor. I think Susan Swithenbank was in Mudge at some point. Those are all fringe people. Um, and we had like like the whole rest of the floor uh, later on pledge DTD. So it was either DTD or fringe and then me joining KDR. So I was like the odd man out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's really interesting to see like like my floor mates ended up becoming the guys who who really turned around fringe as an organization. Because I know like at that point as well, I mean, they were kind of in the same state that we were. I mean, they're having they're having SIG out push for them because they were hurting for pushers and that sort of thing. It's kind of an interesting organizational strength, I think, of Fringe that um, they were very diplomatic and open and historically very friendly. But I think, Ford, I didn't know that you live with those guys. Um, I had met them later. Uh, I have a I have a Fringe story, um, which is how I got to know anybody in Fringe, which is um, when I was a sophomore, again, not to jump ahead, but uh, I wrote sam swift an email sight unseen i had never met the man in my life and i wrote him an email and it was like hi um my name's adam uh we're gonna be building a buggy next semester and i don't think it's fair that uh all of the top 10 finishers get to look inside the design comp winner uh and i demand to see inside of brazen and sam writes me back and he's like hi adam uh nice to meet you uh, that is not a rule. Uh, you made that up completely. Uh, and there's no way you will ever in your life see inside of Brazen, which was not true. But uh, if you want, uh, I will come and take a look at Powder, which you were racing at the time, and, you know, let you, you know, see if I see anything egregiously wrong with it. You know, this is sort of like how Sam and I became friends. Uh, I was eventually um, a groomsman in his wedding. So I, I think that worked out pretty well. But uh, the night they came over uh we had decided sort of as an organization like all right like after some some real consternation like we can we can finally accept outside help we'll let sam look inside a powder and you know tell us what's wrong with it uh but um we have to make sure he doesn't remember anything so we're all gonna get blackout drunk together before he gets to look inside a powder and so we 
that's exactly what happened. We drank like like I think it was Sam and Scott and me and Dauber uh, and Glenos, and we drank like two forty racks of Natty Ice and. And by the end, they were like, I don't, I can't see anything wrong. I'm like, oh, really? And then none of us like knew what, like the next day we were like, would we get anything out of that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why is this like British guy over here? <laughs> Wait, why was Sam here in the first week? Like, I was swift. Like, 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 I probably was like walking through like the first floor, like going to get like, you know, like <laughs> go play pool or something. Yeah, I'm like, the cute. Like, why the fuck is Swift in our first floor? Uh, like, what's going on? You're like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but I mean, I think I think that was. Uh, <laughs> we've had a lot of dealings sort of with Fringe, and um, uh, you know, I I had dated a couple people in Fringe. Uh, Nick ended up marrying one, uh, and then when uh, Katie got kicked off campus, um, you know, the the eventual mechanic for Bonsai. Um, the fastest downhill of all time uh, was a KDR. Uh, a bunch of the pushers that were in the men's team ended up winning a, a trophy for for Fringe. Uh, their women's team was almost entirely like XKDR pushers. I mean, there was a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of the diaspora that happened when KDR got kicked off campus uh, ended up in Fringe. Yeah, we are the protagonists. Yeah, yeah. Which is to say, like any success that Fringe has is completely and totally due to KDR's yeah. influence. I mean, that's what like. That's what McHugh is is sort of hinting towards, but he's, you know, like he, he doesn't want to say it because he still goes to Carnival and you know, he's seen in in some sense as a as a buggy celebrity. I don't do that anymore, so like I'm <laughs> I'm more comfortable sort of like putting it out there. So if Swift or anyone else is listening, like the official stance of KDR Buggy in perpetuity is that your success is completely due to the influence that KDR had upon you. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think most of most of Buggy is like the history of KDR. Uh, <laughs> that, that'll be the sound bite we shared to preview this episode that's um, fine yeah. uh, mp3 strikes again yeah right uh good <clears throat> cool but but right so it's things are coming together the the 2000s are going there's momentum so i guess you know keeping a little bit on the thread there obviously good to to veer off a bit so you have kind of finally this one product penthis which Right, ends up doing pretty well then in, in 2000, relatively. Uh, yeah, yeah, it ends up doing pretty well. Um, I mean, it, yeah, it, you know, when it rolled, it looked really good. Um, you know, we get out there, um, you know, prelims in 2000, and it's it's like, I mean, it's like a revelation. So, I mean, we'd lived through 97 and 99 where the weather was cold and damp and awful. And that race day, it was like, it was like sunny and 75 degrees. I mean, it was like, it was like being on spring break. Uh, it's phenomenal. It like, I didn't even know what to do with myself really. So we roll and, uh, we end up with a, uh, we end up with a two sixteen point three five, and I'm looking at our house record time. Cause that was my goal was to, was to set a new house record that had been around since 88. And I look at that and I go, Oh shit. I, how can I squeeze out 15 hundredths of a second? Right. So we go back, uh, you know, tell everyone, okay, settle down. Cause we're, you know, we're, we're actually going to race tomorrow. So, you know, everyone get a good night's sleep. I go in the garage and I'm, and I'm just looking at stuff. What, you know, what can I, what can I tweak? What can I, what can I work on to, to make this thing just a little bit faster? Um, so I take a look at the rear axle of Pentas and I'm like, well, this seems a little, seems a little loose. I'm going to tighten it up a little bit. So I take this bolt and it's like way under that. I'm like elbow deep into the buggy. Cause there's no, no other way to get to it. I take a wrench snap the head off the bolt. I'm like, ah, oh, shit. Now the, now the rear axle is only held on with four bolts instead of, or three bolts instead of four. 
So I'm like, what do I do? I got to, I got to like tear the whole thing apart. I can't see it. I can barely reach it. Uh, my hand's getting like sliced up with like, with like fiberglass fibers or whatever the hell was on that thing. Oh my um, God. It took like two hours to get this, like to get this bolt with no head on it out finally. So I did it. So I'm like, all right. Okay. So I put a new bolt in, shimmy it in there, start to tighten it down. Shears off again. Oh fuck dude. By now it's like four in the morning. I'm like, what, you know, what's going on here? I was just, I was just done at that point. Um, I'm like, screw it. It rolls that way. We're going to do it. Whatever. So we get out there and, uh, and we did all right. Like we ended up rolling, we ended up rolling a 213.31 and, and we leapfrogged from seventh place into fifth place, which is our best finish ever at the, up, up until that point. Um, I mean, it was just, I mean, it was just amazing. Like we got, like we were in the heat, we were in a heat with Fringe A and, uh, you know, it was like, you know, Scott and I like shake hands beforehand, you know, it was like, Hey, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be interesting, right? Mudge B3, you know, right. uh, you know, so we roll in like, like, I mean, we're really close to each other in the shoot. I mean, we're like zipping through, um, like maybe like one or two buggy lengths apart, which is like close. We like stayed with them the entire time. Um, and we, they only beat us by, you know, like 1.7 seconds, which was, which was amazing. They, they got second place. Uh, somehow SDC and Signu, uh, wedged themselves in between us to get third and fourth. So, I mean, it was a great finish, incredible finish. Um, so again, you know, all this momentum, you know, in our, in our favor, uh, everyone's like really interested in buggy, um, looks like, you know, smooth sailing for us from then on. So then I graduated and, uh, I don't know, I didn't, you know, things, things have a way of like not necessarily working out for you. Um, in the sense that for whatever reason, uh, academics or whatever, we just weren't, we weren't as good for 2001. Uh, we ended up getting like eighth place, um, you know, it wasn't a great times like a 218 or something like that, I think. Um, and from there, it kind of, eh, I don't know, things things unraveled a little bit for a couple of years uh, in there. Yeah, so. we had like a couple, uh, we had like a, a five seconds. We had yeah. um, like a 224, which is like a really unimpressive time. And like it, it, it really was disappointing because again, like what was happening within the fraternity outside of Booth was like, you know, like by this time, the house is, you know, 50, 55 people. You know, you've got soccer team, you've got track team, you've got swimmers, you've got uh, like a, a pretty, pretty strong push team. And so, you know, you know, I obviously I love Dauber. I love all those guys. Like it, there was never sort of like a like, hey, get your shit together, like kind of moment. But it, it, it was frustrating to feel like, you know, if we just had even like an average buggy or even like an above average buggy, we could show up and roll like a 212 without much problem. And so it, it never really felt like we had both sides of the equation worked out until 2005, which is when, you know, McHugh did his magic. So here is the, the handoff to McHugh. It's, it's actually why I got into Buggy. I was a freshman in 2003. And, you know, despite being the slowest pusher of all time, um, we, we had a brand new Buggy. And uh, I, I looked around at the end of race day. And I'm like, KDR is good at everything except for this, like we're the greatest group of people, a group of men ever assembled <laughs> on the planet, but why, why aren't we good at buggy? Uh, I will dedicate the next 20 years of my life to this. Um, but, by, by, and by the way, this, uh, this upcoming carnival is my, my 20th consecutive carnival, including during COVID. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. Nice. Is it? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of carnivals. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's essentially what happened. Um, uh, the the next generation um 
of people after 40 um, were looking up at like a 213, 31 spray painted on the on the garage door for for years and years trying to trying to break that record. And that's that's what happened. Well, I mean, I mean, how did you do it, McHugh? A lot of trial and error. And, I, and actually, I think uh, I, I didn't do very much. I am not uh, particularly athletic. I am not a talented mechanic at all. Uh, I am a product manager by trade. Uh, and I think it was just, it was, it was honestly like the genius of the mechanics we had at the time, which were, you know, primarily Justin Dauber, uh, Dave Gross and, and TJ and the pushers that we had, which were, in, in my opinion, probably one of the best dozen push teams ever assembled for, for buggy. Uh, and, you know, um, Nick, Nick was one of them and, and I, I would put Nick up against any, any pusher before or since. And I think there's a lot of like quantitative evidence, uh, that says that he was like one of the best pushers of all time. And I think things just ended up like really working out. Like we, uh, we took a lot of care trying to figure out and refining designs that we already had. So um, we didn't build anything new. Uh, we spent a lot of time on wheels, but they were Zuder Ultras, which were sort of like the commodity wheel that we knew was you know was capable of of rolling a two hundred nine because uh, Fringe had done it. Um, and over the next couple couple of years, we just did that. I think the. Uh, the downfall of that is that I didn't get to go to school for a year after that. Um, and it probably was like a one, 1. 1.5, you know, total drop in my GPA. Uh, but it, it really, I mean, it was really, it was really good. 2005 was a pretty interesting year because um, we broke five house records, like within two days. Uh, the only house record we did not break out of a team that we ran was KDRB. And it was because Signu bumped into us and we didn't take the reroll because it was already like a top 10 time. Um, but it was good. I think it was a lot of recruitment. Uh, the lack of track really helped. <laughs> like a lot of track stars not having to do track. Um, a lot of refinement. I mean, I mean, I remember, I mean, look, like, like I, I can speak to this. Like there were many times where Dario would, would go to me and say, look, like, I don't want you to push buggy or like, I don't want you to go play. I am football. I don't want you to go to this, go, go to that. And like, you know, look, I get it. Like he's the track coach. Like he doesn't want the anchor of his four by four tearing his ACL the day before UAA. But you know, whether it was me or Tommy K or any other guys that were on the track team that were also pushing for us, I think, you know, at the end of the day, like we're loyal to the track team, but we, we were loyal to KDR first. And so, you know, I don't know, like, Dario was never going to put it to us that he was going to like kick us off the team if we ran buggy. But I think that yeah, what's he what's he going to do? Like, how many UAA records did you did you set? And he's like, <laughs> well, well, I mean, like, well, I probably had more leverage than like Tommy K did. But I mean, I mean, the point is, you know, like I think there was, <laughs> I think 2005. To your point, though, he's like was an interesting year where like there wasn't UAA and there wasn't a meet. And so I think that like there was just a ton of pushers from the track team that were that were out. Um, what I always thought was interesting is, you know, like because we were close to fringe and you know, like we were friendly enough with like a, and whatever, you know, we knew full on that the buggy that we were rolling powder, you know, listen, I love Steph UN, but like if you add up the weight of our driver plus our buggy versus everyone else that year, like we're plus what, 25 pounds, 30 pounds. And so like more, I mean, the, yeah. the powder powder without wheels weighed 42 pounds, um, which is double the weight of, of a lot of other sort of like 18 buggies. And, and it, so when I say like, we, I think we had one of the best push teams, like, I don't really mean that lightly. Like Nick, Nick, Nick ran down like 
a bunch of other hill fives with a buggy that weighed probably 40 pounds more than than what they had i really i really think we had the athleticism uh that we were missing previously thank you adam you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) but uh it, it seems like right it was kind of a combination of the athleticism but you know you did get powder out and then you know culturally to maybe some increased dedication based on performance versus a couple years earlier kind of with those down years where they're in the late two teens a little bit i mean i think i think during 40s year they uh, we were we were inventing a lot of things and the the arc of buggy from the mid 90s and before to like present day is one of like increasing openness right so it's like our uh, pr- prior to maybe like 2000 i think it would have been like unheard of to cooperate with another buggy organization in any capacity right there was a lot of sort of in industrial espionage and like you know you know stealing and spy shots and things but like the internet didn't exist and we had an iphone you know uh in 40 tell me if i'm wrong but like secrets weren't really like swapped between teams um no hell no yeah some of the (laughs) i mean some of the technology that was that was in powder uh, more very fundamental things you know for the a, a couple years prior we didn't even think of and and then we just asked we were like you know what should the what should the crossfire be made out of and it was like oh it should be you know, this, this steel right here, go buy it. It's on McMaster. Um, and so we did. And it, I think that itself in one weekend dropped like four seconds. So, I mean, what you see now, you know, where Apex is, is building entire buggies and documenting the build from start to finish on like 20 undergraduate iPhones and making presentations about it and uploading it to Google Drive, like that would have been Un, like completely unheard of yeah um the part where it breaks down a little bit is in the wheel technology because we were one of the last uh fast times to use zooter ultras uh so like under under a 212 and since then the only secret worth keeping is like where do you get your wheels uh because once once zooter stopped making them they, they became a pretty hot commodity uh i ended up making one batch of wheels in 2007 uh that Actually, this is this is a pretty interesting thread from here on out. It's like, what happened to KDR's tech after KDR mm-hmm. got kicked off campus? Because we had a couple artifacts. Uh, we had really good pushers was the first one. We had Perrin, which was the second one. And we had the wheels, which were the third one. The pushers all went to fringe uh, and one fringe a bunch of trophies. Perrin went to everybody. Perrin, uh, Perrin should have been named promiscuous. Um, and Perrin was like <laughs> an incredibly... Uh, well-crafted buggy that that Tommy and Glenos built. Um, that went to like a dozen other teams. I don't know where it is right now, um, but, you know, enabled them to run. And the the wheels also went to a handful of other teams. You know, Apex ran on them for the next 10 years, and they're sitting in my closet right now. Uh, so I think there's a lot of KDR DNA that got uh, passed around uh, after we got kicked off campus. <laughs> uh, now, that's a quote. Yeah. Yeah. Like pull that one yeah. out, like KDR DNA getting passed around. Like I think that's like a, yeah, that's a good yeah, one. We donated a lot of. Um, I think like part of the story that McHugh was leaving out a little bit is you know so you know if I look at 2005 onward, you know you got a a fourth place, a tenth place, an eighth place, a fifth place. Like so by this time, like KDR is sort of cemented as like maybe not a threat to win, but like you know a threat to trophy. You're gonna run. 212, 213, going to be sure. competitive. Um, I think like, you know, like we had a nice sort of consistent run in there, you know, concurrent to this, um, you know, it's no secret, I think, within the world of fraternities at Carnegie Mellon, that there is an adversarial relationship between the university and Greek life. 
Um, and, you know, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist around like they're trying to reclaim the space or anything like that. I think it's just a risk management thing. Um, but, you know, us and DTD and DU and Beta, like, you know, like a lot of the fraternities that you would probably call the more social fraternities on campus did end up getting sanctioned in some way. And yeah. for us, you know, like we got kicked off, I think it was in 2009, maybe it was 2010. None of our behavior was particularly egregious. It was just like a thing after thing after thing after thing where the university tells us like, hey, stop doing that thing. And then we keep doing it. And then eventually they get fed up with it. You could say that our shenanigans were cheeky and fun and everyone else's <laughs> were not. Yeah. And, and like, it's, it's frustrating because like, you know, like, you know, kind of open the kimono a little bit when we got kicked off campus, like, you know, our, our, our national organization was fully prepared to fight CMU tooth and nail to like keep our charter to kind of keep everything in place to accept probation and this or that. The, the university basically went to our national organization and said, Hey, look, you know, just go off campus for a couple of years. We'll bring you back. Like once this cycle of current brothers is out. So let's say three years and then you'll be back in your house and no problem. And so under those conditions, that is what KDR as a national organization accepted. And, you know, it, it, it turned out that come three years later, the school was like, nah, we didn't say that. They're like, oh, you misinterpreted us or whatever. Um, and so thus kicked off like a, a, a pretty fractious relationship between KDR as an organization and the school. Like there's a reason why KDR still isn't back on campus. Um, and it's because, you know, look, like we've certainly tried, I think, um, you know, for whatever reason, there's 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 still some bad blood. And it's it's a bummer because, you know, as I alluded to earlier, like as an organization, I think KDR to the extent that we'd influence the new brothers that might recolonize it, that, you know, like we would want to impart that KDR as an organization is an organization that competes in things that does buggy, it does Greek sing. And like, you know, and that is really lacking right now in the current campus. And we've tried very much to use that as the argument for why we should come back. And, you know, to this date is, it's, it's been pretty unheard um, within Carnegie Mellon. And, and that's a bummer. Wow. Um, but it is what it is. Yeah. Cause it, it seems like on the buggy side, you know, like you said, it was kind of this pendulum of not the top team, but putting up a competitive thing. There was a culture that was consistency and right. You know, the, the whole program splintered off, but none of it really due to buggy related circumstances, if no. you will, it was kind of all yeah. the, um, and getting kicked off. So, I, I didn't realize that too. So as you were kicked off, and I think it was oh nine, yeah, because um, it was right as I was getting there. But I guess you did kind of exist in an off campus. Yeah, and, 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 and like well, the, the 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 brothers. I mean, there were people that yeah. that were that were brothers that pledged like that spring who were at CMU for three more years. Uh, so you know you can take KDR off campus, but you can't take that phrase. Actually, doesn't work. I got I got too well, deep into that without was, thinking about it. <laughs> well, there was definitely like, I mean, cool dudes racing, right? Like there was like, there was always that threat of like some of the you know, remaining brothers to sort of like, you know, go start an independent organization and just call it like cool dudes racing with a K and like, right. you know, and, and, and like, it's you know, like, that would be stupid. Like they ended up, you know, as, as McHugh said, like the diaspora went into fringe, it went into apex. It, it, um, and I think we did a really good job. I'm very proud of how, how we instilled like, a, a love of buggy into a lot of these people like what you know 
there was a freshman who who pledged KDR, uh, who ended up being not just fringes, you know, conceivably best head mechanic of all time, but but safety chair after that. Like there were a lot of people that became big names in buggy. Like they were winning medals and they were competing for for teams and who like really carried on the sport for for a little while. Uh, which is really exciting. Gotta shout him out, Mickey. Who are you talking about? Uh, Ray Mackin. Yeah. Mackin, Ray Barson. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mackin and Ray. Gotta name some names. <laughs> I, I guess then one question maybe as we've kind of gone through the linear timeline of um, of KDR is, is obviously there's kind of that immediate impact of where people went. But, uh, you know, in, in, in your minds or you know, as you would like to play it out, like what do you see the legacy of KDR buggy being or, or how the org should be remembered kind of within that, that world? I get asked a lot by, by current students. Cause I, I go back frequently, uh, sort of like how to make a buggy fast. Uh, I don't get asked that as often as I'd like. I sort of impose my opinions on, on people. Yeah. <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah, I, I, let me start that. Let me start that over. I never get asked that question. I would like to be asked that question much more. <laughs> um, but, but when I do, I mean, it's it, the, the things that are important in buggy are actually pretty straightforward and, I think primary among them uh, that really, really gets overlooked is like athleticism. Um, you know, KDR, KDR as an organization, uh, A, always shows up and and B, you know, works out and tries to be good at it. You know, it's like we, you're a, you're a push team. Like it's, it's an athletic sport. Um, the technology for a long time was secondary. Uh, and not to say it's like not an equal partner in this, but like, Go to the gym. Everybody needs to go to the gym right now, I guess is my point. Yeah. McHugh is going to be a little more political about this than I am. But like, I would always like say, like, we always sort of thought of ourselves as like a cross between like a Pika and a Siga, which is like, I think like we had sort of like the, the athleticism and sort of like the fratty sportsiness of a Pika with like the, the kind of try hard goody goodiness of a Siga. And so like, I think that sort of like found us in the middle and like, you know, I think that that worked for us. And so like, you know, I, I don't necessarily imagine anyone on campus ever recently has any sort of like thoughts about what the KDR legacy would be. But I think like if you, you talk to someone who was around in the era, I think I would like to think that like they thought of KDR as like a formidable, a formidable competitor. We were friendly that, that we, you know, and, and we just, you know, we, we, we talked a decent amount of shit and we backed it up and, and we were always, we were there. I think that, I mean, that was like the big one. Yeah. You were there. Yeah. yeah. Like we believed in buggy as like the awesome thing that it is. And we showed up year after year to do it. Yeah. I know Mike, you were relocating there, but anything to add to uh, uh, that or your kind of conception of the legacy of KDR? I mean, just, just from the standpoint of kind of, kind of like what, what both Adam and Nick said, I mean, I mean, just, yeah, a group of guys who, who try really, who try pretty hard at it, but I mean, we're not, we don't take ourselves too seriously, or at least we didn't in my day. I mean, we didn't try to like, really push it as, oh yeah, we're, you know, we're the buggy house. Um, I mean, that was really for like one guy to, to really stress about and everyone else kind of just was really just more of like, just being part of the house, just, just be a reasonably cool group of guys who, who just has fun uh, and makes the most of it on campus. No, I feel like that's not uh, the case in a lot of cultures. I think that's a cool thing that it is where, um, just within some of the other uh, houses or teams I've interviewed, like, 
you know, some people are there for fun, but like they're there for because they're obsessed with kind of the nuances of buggy as opposed to kind of like we're here, we're hanging, we're having a good time. We're making this thing, but like, you know, uh, it's not like the entire culture is kind of an obsession over these things. So I think that you know, like, I'd say like the, 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 the KDR culture for me was like, I would describe it as like, like a nonstop beer pong tournament that occasionally stopped <laughs> to have booth bugging Greek sing. Yeah, it's a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sweet, everybody's everybody's in agreement there. <laughs> a drinking house with a buggy problem. <laughs> cool. Well, you know, I, I think we've we've covered a lot of kind of the linear history and, and, and some good asides within that. Uh, but I guess kind of just open it up if there are other stories you haven't gotten to or hot takes or philosophy on the the current state of buggy or anything like that. As we are kind of reaching towards the end of this thing i think everyone is really slow i i i have been stewing over my previous uh statement that everybody needs to go to the gym i think everybody needs to go to the gym i'm no particularly fast pusher but but like i think uh like the drop-off in athleticism in the last 10 years has been significant because the technology they have available to them and the access to building techniques and and faster wheels i mean the wheels that they have now are like 30 percent faster in isolated whatever we had second place last year was 213 yeah yeah like that's that's crazy like like yeah i mean like you know similarly like i i'm kind of bummed at what like the current state of buggy is and like look like you you can look that at that from any sort of you know angle whether it's athleticism whether it's like participation like you know there's there's what like three fraternities that are that are participating right now like that's a bummer like i think like it's a bummer that carnival is held on cfa parking lot like and i get it like i i don't want to come across as like the old man who's like it was better in my day you know like in in i i don't want to sort of like have that be the message but you know i think like to anyone who's currently a student or whatever like look you're not going to remember a class you're not going to remember this or that like you're going to remember activities like buggy you're going to remember the things you participated in and i don't know what carnegie mellon has to do to stoke more participation in the things that make Carnegie Mellon what it is. But, you know, I'd, I'd really like to see like a lot more, you know, a lot more teams out there, a lot more booths being built. I think that's ultimately what makes CMU what it is. Well, Nick, you got to address the elephant in the room, man. I mean, if they, if they could bring us back, then there you go. There's another team. Yeah. I'm looking at like, like, yeah. Like if, 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 for whatever reason, Dean Michael Murphy's hearing this, or Farnham, or whoever. Like, you bring us back. We're rolling six buggies in a month. Like, just just try me, Mike. Try me. <laughs> it's, no, it's a really good point. I mean, if we're if we're saying that like the 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 essence of a KDR is that like we participate, we compete, like always in all things. Um, like, and that's the thing that's been lost, right? Like, there are a lot of people that like just don't do it, and the sports suffered as a result. Um, I think buggy should be mandatory. Is my what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody I mean, should have buggy. They should, they should schedule UAAs around buggy. <laughs> it is interesting though, because I know like Fidel. It feels like was that was trying to kind of be their vibe of like they're super active and involved or whatever. But it seems like their buggy just never. I think they have took Perrin. off. I think they have Perrin, by the way. They they were the last team who ran Perrin, just based on my research. Again, yeah. I don't have these things memorized, but it looks like 2016 was the last time they ran 
Perrin, but again, you know, they didn't run post COVID, but even pre COVID, you know, they were in the two twenties over those four years. And I don't know enough about them to know why. It's a little bit of a fallacy that like, I mean, I think they were a gigantic house from, from my understanding. And I, I, I certainly chatted with them about buggy stuff back in the day when they were looking for, for help. Um, but it's a little bit of a fallacy that like large houses tend to do more things like, like DU and beta were, were two of the biggest houses when we were there and like they just did booth and football, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's just like you're, you're at CMU, like do, do the things, you know, like you said it well, like if you're at CMU, do the things that make CMU CMU and you know, like. I don't necessarily behoove someone for just wanting to kind of hang out and play beer pong. Look like we love that just as much as anyone else. More. But I think, yeah, <laughs> I mean, right. that's probably true much, too. Much but, more. Yeah. No, you're at CMU. Like, like Buggy is awesome. Booth is awesome. I guess more it's a curiosity of just why it didn't click or whatever, because it felt like the desire was there. Um, but like, so I'm on the alumni association. Like I, I, I talked to current students like a decent amount. I've never really had a discussion with like someone from an SAE or from a, you know, like a Pike or whatever, like, you know, like, why aren't you guys participating more? Like, I actually don't know like what the vibe is on campus that's stopping more organizations from, from being involved. Like, like it's, it's, it's a lot of work, I guess, but like, it's, I don't know. I, I chat with the, there, there's a, uh, the head mechanic of SAE. There's always, I find this pretty fascinating um, thing, actually. There's always one or two people in every house organization that like really wants to do buggy that like really tries to get it going. Um, so I think a lot of these organizations like, tr- like try to get something off the ground, but it's like through sheer strength of will from like one or two people. And that can't be the case for like, an organization. Like you have to have like some critical mass of people to like make it cool. And, and um, for us, it was, it was, you know, we could buy fiat got, get like pledges out there in, the cold or whatever, but um, a lot of these organizations don't don't do that now. But there's always like one or two people that try to do it. Uh, well, yeah, don't. I mean, I, and and I and I, I tend to actually agree. Well, I tend to actually think that it really matters, like that there is one or two people who really take that on. Like, yeah. like if like at Pika, if there was one or two guys who really cared about booths, they could probably have a decent enough, you know, a decent enough booth program. Given you know, just recruiting brothers who don't happen to be doing buggy at that very time. Um, and I feel like KDR overall, like you know, our booth chair, our buggy chair, they really cared about those things, but they didn't really like impose that on other people. And they didn't really expect other people to, to have that kind of dedication that they had. Like it was okay. You know, just, just be available because please, I'll need your help. You know, somewhere. You don't need to be the booth chair, but like you can paint, you can sand this board. Yeah. Like McHugh probably didn't do shit for Greek sake. Like, so one (laughs) year, like I think it was Oh four, we did Chicago for Greek sang with Theta. And like, I can't sing or dance, McHugh can't sing or dance, but we're tall. So we end up being stripper poles. Like that was our role. Like I, I stood as a stripper pole while some Theta danced on me. And I was like, you know what? Like, fantastic. I love it. Thank you, Greek Sing. Like, I, 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 every, every year they would excuse like one or two people from, from Greek Sing or Booth because they like focus. So I was one of the people that got excused from any other activity. Uh, yeah. Even though the house did it, I didn't. It was me and Kabinsky and and J-Pock or something like that. But I, yeah, I, like I, you know. nobody, no, because nobody told me I was could have been a stripper pole. Like that was, <laughs> <laughs> like I don't think that was the trade off that was advertised. <laughs> but I mean, you're too busy like in the garage, like making a buggy. So yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll say it's it's open mic season at at this point, so I, I think we've covered most uh, most all the KDR relative stuff. But you know, I, I think obviously you gave a fair bit of it there with just like participation, athleticism, letting KBR KDR back onto campus. Those are yeah, those are those are my three my three biggest pieces of advice is participate, go to the gym, and let KDR back on campus. <laughs> I will say I have a hot take. Yeah, go I will ahead. say. The next fraternity that will win buggy will be KDRA in 2027. You heard it here first. Nice, nice. Pushing Phoenix to Neo Phoenix. <laughs> Take it to the bank. Yeah, Para Phoenix. <laughs> so I don't know. I guess I guess I have a diff- like a slightly different take take in the sense that like as far as the participation goes, um, I mean this this might seem kind of I don't know, just kind of just out there, but I don't know. It feels like, it feels like something, something in buggy and design, and it probably starts with the rules, really. Something needs to like innovate or change, you know, like three wheel buggy started happening 40 years ago. And, you know, there've been, you know, incremental improvements over that time. But I feel like any team that, that is starting up, um, you know, it feels like there's such there's such there's such high hurdles to clear in order to start to become competitive or get to a point where you have that critical mass where it just kind of takes over on its own. I feel like if there was something about the rules that could be changed that would open up people to innovate, you would get those like kind of kind of like those maverick type thinkers that just want to that just want to have like the the ability to just build a buggy out of nothing and just have it have it be like a couple guys and maybe like five pushers come in and that's your whole team. Um, you know, I think you could get that, and I think that's really I think that's really what maybe the sport needs in order to start to develop more participation, get more orgs in there. And what it really starts with is those orgs have to start from nothing, basically, kind of like what kind of like what Apex did, but even maybe even smaller since since Apex did have, you know, a little bit of uh, scraps that they were able to to take over. I think it's a good point. I mean, I think I think um, as a result of the openness that we've had, you you sort of arrived at this uh, converged design. Like the technology problem in large part has been solved. Like people know, you know, what the shell should be made out of, what the pan should be made out of, uh, you know, no suspension, whatever. You know, it's at at some point everything became carbon fiber, and then they slapped essentially the same or one of three or four groups of wheels on it, uh, and all the marginal technological progress has been in urethane which is why I'm saying go to the gym because it's, it's the only differentiator at this point once you've got the design down, but like the design won't change from here on out. Like, unless the rules do like it's, it's converged. We have, we have, we like know what the best buggy looks like. Uh, doesn't have a yeah. pop-up push bar. Doesn't have a suspension has three wheels. And obviously there's always safety concerns, which are important, but like, do you have opinions on what rules would need to change or what aspects are limiting the, the innovation? Um, yeah, I mean, as someone who's been out of the sport for over 20 years, I can provide the, the nuttiest, craziest opinion. Cause I really don't know, but yeah, enable people to put a flywheel in it so that you can go to two wheels, something that keeps the buggy upright when it's just sitting there other than training wheels. Uh, for instance, something, something to do a two wheel buggy safely, in my opinion, is going to be the biggest, you know, the biggest, uh, leap in terms of technology. I think that's actually a pretty good one. Like as far as like sea changes in the in the rules would go like you're you're not dealing with you know 15 heats of three buggies a piece that are all like one second apart anymore you know you're dealing with at some point it was like time trials it was like one buggy at a time like 
if you can do a two-wheel buggy safely, I don't see any reason why not to. Sweet. Um, any other takes? Anything else I may have missed? Anything else you guys want to share about? Um, yeah, I'm out, of, I'm out of hot takes. Go go Apex Buggy, I guess. Favorite, favorite current team. <laughs> and thank you uh, to the gentleman from KDR for joining. Uh, very fun episode there. Um, I hope you all enjoy it as much as I did. Um, I'm sure people will have some reactions to some of those hot takes and whatnot. The perfect place to react is in the Buggy Alumni Association Discord. Just go to cmubuggy.org slash chat. It'll take you to the Discord. And, uh, you know, you can tell Mickey why he's wrong or why he's right. And uh, and you love his takes. Uh, you know, we love your takes. Uh, love to hear any input you have on future episodes, other ideas of stuff to do. Uh, just a couple more left this year as we get up to race day. But... Really excited for that. I, I sat down and talked with um, the current chairs of CIA, so we get a really nice landscape of what rules and buggy have looked like this year and uh, what that team looks like. So stay tuned for that one. Um, thank you, everyone, as always, for tuning in. Thank you to the Buggy Alumni Association for making this possible, uh, especially Rachel Schmidt, uh, who does all the production, makes this thing work. Uh, so thank you to everybody and, uh, we'll talk to you soon in the future next week, next Wednesday. Wow. I'm just rambling. Thanks for coming to shoot the shit.